Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network, located at blogtalkradio.com slash widemencantjump and at widemencantjump.com. Here's the best pod in sports, bringing you all the NBA highlights, analysis, and even some college basketball analysis as well. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. News and cambay.com. You can find this show at iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you find podcasts, as well at widemencantjump.com. Now let's go to the flagship program and this episode of Wide Men Can't Jump. Yes, yes, it's Wide Men Can't Jump. We are back. Episode 68. And joining me, I'm Nate, as always. And joining me this week on this episode of Wide Men Can't Jump, the one and only, you know the music, folks, from the Great White North, Tim Dombro. A man who is older than the episode number. <laughs> I don't think you are. You may believe, you may feel that no, way. No, I feel that way, but no, no, we're not. It's good to hold sixty-eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of years but, yet, but still. Yes, very, very true. Me. But here we are, back for another episode, looking at the NBA, looking. <laughs> around the league, looking to see what's going on in the world yeah, of basketball. I'm going to rewrite that song, Nate. I'm going to rewrite the, I come from the land of the ice and snow. I'm going to rewrite that. You know, <laughs> I come from the land of the hoots and blow. Oh, so you mean you're going to rewrite Immigrant Song? <laughs> yeah, but for NBA themed. Well, I mean, come on, did it really get, I mean, it's only like that one. Big deal. Well, you know, Hoops has had a big week this week. There was a lot of big games going down over the past week that we'll look at in a little bit. But I want to bring up, there's a particular instance that I want to bring up here. Um, this was going around on on, um, on TV today. On e- I saw it on ESPN as I was, I was leaving. I don't actively watch ESPN, uh, mainly because it's like, stubbing your toe repeatedly over and over to watch ESPN anymore. It's not really, I don't know. What, you don't like, you don't like that eight minutes of coverage repeated 747 times a day? Yeah, yeah, basically. I mean, it, there's just, just, it's constant. It's just a constant thing. But let's, let's go ahead and, and this, they did bring up something today that I want to talk about. Um, so, and we're going to shift gears to college. This is the college world we're going to talk about here. Right, so okay. hookers and sports. <laughs> well, we'll get to Robert Kraft later. But um, <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome for that. Uh, yeah. But looking at Duke, the Duke men's basketball team, they recently lost to North Carolina last week. That was when Zion Williamson went down. He got hurt. His um, – he injured his, his knee. It's a grade one knee sprain, so nothing major. He should be able to come back eventually. But with the injured knee, he, you know, he's still setting out. Duke's lost two in a row. They lose to North Carolina, and then last night they lose to Virginia Tech. 
so I saw this today on uh, on ESPN, and the main title was since Duke doesn't have Zion Williamson, do should Duke have those losses counted against them this season? What do you think, Tim? Say what now? That was that was that was on ESPN today. <laughs> That's like saying so the Lakers not have the losses when LeBron is hurt. Those just shouldn't be a part of the season. Well, they lose even with him, but either way. No, but but still, then the logic is well, or any star player. Oh, we got to be fucking. <laughs> I'm I'm almost tongue tied, Nate, in the ridiculousness of that statement. <laughs> you know, I, I agree. I thought it was pretty dumb. I was like, so wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Because the best player on your team is hurt, your losses shouldn't count against you. That's what you're trying to tell me. Well, and 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 those other three guys that you have there that are. <laughs> are better than most starting fives anywhere else in the country. Well, I mean, and again, they don't count. I mean, what even the hell? even if you didn't have those guys, even if you just had Zion Williamson, yeah, and, you, and he gets hurt, get hurt, and he gets hurt, who you're still a team. Do those wins not count if you win without him? Well, no, I bet at, they still at, count. Look at it this way: Duke is still going to get into the tournament. Oh, they'd get in if they lost. Every, yeah, they'd, they'd get in if they lost every last every game they got left. They'd still get in. You still have to play the extended amount of games to win the tournament, regardless of what seed you are, unless you come in as the what is it the whatever nonsense they have going on with sixty five and sixty six or sixty eight or whatever the hell it is these days. I don't even know anymore. But other than that, you you still have to play the same amount of games. If he comes back. They're better than everybody else, or should be. It should make a, a lick of difference, really. I agree. If they're as good as they, as, as if they're as good as what most people believe them to be, and they are pretty good. And I can't stand them, but they're still pretty good. Well, you they're can't very really good. That. Yeah, you can't you can't argue that. So yeah, no, you know what? You get to be a for once in Duke's life, or in the last God knows how many years, Duke gets to be a a six or a seven seed and they don't get to play 10 feet from, from Cameron indoor arena for a change. Maybe they got to do a bit of traveling, et cetera, et cetera, which they're not used to doing. Do you really think they're going to be a six or a seven seed in the tournament? Well, they would, if they keep losing, they're going to have to be at least a three or a four, at least (laughs) by virtue of the mathematics alone. I mean, they're already now what that's four losses already. Fourth loss. Okay, so let's say let's, let's I know they've got, let's they've got another game right. against North Carolina, which they would they would lose if if he doesn't play. I would imagine. Let's let, let's take a look at the rankings before the loss with Virginia Tech. This is before the loss. All right, so here's the rankings as they stand right now. Gonzaga's at number one. Um, cool, I guess they don't play anybody, but okay, uh, Virginia. <laughs> Number two, Duke at three, Kentucky four. Then North Carolina goes to five, Michigan State at six, Tennessee drops to seven, Houston is eight, Michigan nine, Marquette ten, Texas Tech eleven, Nevada is at twelve. Of course, this is the AP Top 25 poll, by the way. 
13 is LSU, 14 Purdue, 15 Kansas, 16 Kansas State, 17 Maryland, 18 Florida State, 19 Wisconsin, 20 Virginia Tech, again before they beat Duke, Buffalo at 21, Iowa 22, Cincinnati at 23, Wofford at 24, and Washington at 25. The powerhouse Wofford Terriers, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, they're twenty. They're twenty-four and four. I mean, can't deny it. Good a record. Good a record as Duke. Yeah, not the same actually. Same record. Yeah, I'm telling you, the I team mean, right I now mean, that's really, the team right now that's jumping out at me and have been recently is Michigan State. They are tearing it up as of late. Yeah, they, they are really on. Yeah, they give a little bit of a spank to their uh, crosstown rivals. Yeah, Michigan. Cross-state rivals or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, well, Michigan, they just, you know, they're like a, they're like they're, a chicken sandwich. They're like a chicken sandwich. You look at it, and it looks so tasty. And then for some reason, whatever, it just doesn't live up to the, to the hype. I don't know why, but. Not a Chick Fil A chicken sandwich, of course, but you know what I'm talking no, about. When you, you go no, to a restaurant, you, not, see a, you see some, you see some food or something, and it looks so good, and then you bite it, and you, know, you go to eat it, and it's just bland. That's Michigan basketball. But yeah, so that's that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. Here is why would anybody think that just because your best players out, these losses shouldn't count against you? Now, I'm not saying they don't go against their record. I think what they meant was they shouldn't count against the the team when they come to seeding. Like basically, they're saying Duke deserves right. to be a one, and and do they? Yeah, probably. But if no. your record is if well, hold on, no, right, no, now, no, right now they no, do. No, 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 no. Your record they, is based on who, whether you win or lose. Nothing else. It doesn't matter whether your best player was in the lineup. Or you should have won that game if you'd have been there. Blah 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 blah. If they got seven losses at the end of the season, they should be ranked like in the middle of the pack where they belong. Well, if they if they have seven losses, I agree. I'm talking right now, even with just four losses, they've lost to Gonzaga, they lost to Virginia Tech, who's ranked. They lost to North Carolina, who's ranked, and the other loss escapes me. I think it was Virginia, but I don't I don't know that for a fact. Syracuse. I still think if they only – it was it Syracuse? Syracuse. Okay. So that's an unranked I, loss. I still think with four losses, Duke is a one seed. I do. Based on what logic? Based on the fact they have they're four so losses. They're, they're so good they lost four times but are still a number one? Explain that to me. They should. In your, I mean, with science, you're please. in the top four. They're in the top four. But they shouldn't be. They won't be after this week. Well, no, not after this week. But you got to remember, there's probably going to be other teams that's going to take a loss. Well, it's possible. I mean, they've only got their. They've really probably only got one more loss coming. If he doesn't I don't come think, back. If Zion comes back, to, I think uh, they, they finish it out. But even if they're a two seed, even if they're a two seed, I think they're going to be fine. The worst, the worst they can end up with to me is a three. And that's going to be going to be fine point. if they're a freaking twelve seed. It isn't going to matter if he comes back. There, there's, there's no even. Let's say even if he doesn't come back, and let's say they really put the boots to Duke because they're Duke. 
and they lose three more games, and they're 24 and, uh, what, seven, let's say. And they don't uh, – they've got a tournament in their division, right? Yeah, they have to play the uh, ACC tournament. Okay, so that a lot rides on what happens there too. They may yeah, lose all three games in the. Yeah, I mean that, that may mean nothing that they that they go in. They might that gives the committee a nice little out too. Well, yeah, they lost a bunch of games when he wasn't playing. But look, see what they did when he came back. They're still, a, you know, they're one or two anyway. That's probably what's going to happen. Probably, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, Here, of course, you know this. I what? thought you were going to hit me with the Loyola Marymount story. No, no, no. I, I actually, uh, I missed that. What, what, what's the Loyola Marymount? Well, the, the, <laughs> the headline is, last year they won your heart. This year they yeah. returned for your soul. <laughs> really? <laughs> but they can't... Uh, Unfortunately for them, the only way that they have to win their conference tournament, which yeah. they still are in a position to do, but it's going to take some work. They're not as good this year, apparently. I just laughed. There's this poor little sweet sister, or whatever her name is, can't remember. Sister Jean. Oh, Sister Jean. Gotta um, love God her. Love her. Yeah, God love her and all that, but she's returned for my soul, apparently, which makes me feel a little bit nervous. <laughs> well, Sam, <laughs> if you get nervous... And you're a little shaking in your boots, and you feel the need to contact someone about it. You can contact an attorney to help you out. And I know a good one. Our good friends <laughs> at New Law Offices at newlawoffices.com. <laughs> yes, I know I'm what you're gonna, thinking, right? I'm going to sit. Segway. No, there's no segue there at all. <laughs> But if you Pop need to, care. you can offer care. You can, but anyway, <laughs> you can visit our good friends at newlawoffice.com. Let's hear all about them. Personal injury, product liability, workplace accidents, mesothelioma law, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, and more. All this can be handled at New Law Office with Stephen P. New. It's New Law Office with Stephen P. New. You can get your free consultation today by calling 1-800-208-9169 or 304-362-7345 for your free consultation. A new level of personal service, whether you've been injured or facing divorce or experiencing workplace discrimination, you can rely on compassionate, thorough representation from New Law Office. Be sure to contact Stephen P. New Law Office at newlawoffice.com or again get your free consultation at 1 800 203 9169. Stephen P. New answers to your legal questions. Again, thanks to our great sponsors at newlawoffice.com. And joining us right now, Tim, freelance NBA columnist and analyst at Clutch Points is Shane Young. What's up, Shane? Uh, how you guys doing? I'm just watching some games tonight. <laughs> well, I'm still watching, but I'm doing well. I got one on in the background as my Wolves are playing the Hawks tonight, and we're in desperate need of I'm wins sorry. to try to make it to the... <laughs> 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 See? See? Well I mean, done, sir. Well done. He knows. He knows. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're in desperate need of a win to to get within the playoffs chase here. So, but you know, we decided tonight what we wanted to do with Shane was normally I always try to have some sort of idea where we're going with uh, these segments, what we're going to talk about, what we're going to focus on. Tonight, Shane, I have absolutely no idea what Tim's going to throw at you, and I'm kind of winging it myself. We're just going to bounce around the league here, and we're going to throw some things at you and get your ideas on what's going on with the NBA so far. Is that cool with you? Oh, oh, it's great. It's my favorite, actually, because, I I mean, normally – you only talk about, or uh, when I'm on these shows, they only talk about the Lakers or something. So it's good to not have a set thing. So that's good. Well, we're well, going to talk start... about them, but we, but we only talk about them for a minute, and then we're done. Yeah. <laughs> I want to start with the I want to start with the Lakers. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. But no, I do want to start. Uh, I want to start in Boston right now. Interesting statistic okay. popped up earlier. The last five games without Kyrie Irving, the Boston Celtics are 5-0. and They're averaging 114.2 points per game and holding their opponents to 102.6 points per game with an 11.6 points differential, and they have 29.5 assists per game in that stretch. And then the last five games with Kyrie, they are 0-5, only putting up 109.6 points per game, allowing 118.8 points per game, with a, point, a minus 9.2 points per game difference and only averaging 25 assists per game. Shane, is this is this just maybe speculation here, but are the Celtics maybe better off without Kyrie Irving? Well, I, I don't think I don't think so, but I, I do believe if if Kyrie did end up uh taking his talents to New York um, I, I'm not so sure that Boston would, or Danny Ainge rather specifically, would uh, be disheartened. It, or I, I don't think he would uh, be alarmed because he knows that they. He there is proof. There's proof in the playoffs last year. There's proof, as you said, last five games when he didn't play, and uh, you know even back last season he he only played 60 games, so he missed 22. In those 22 games, they treaded water. They weren't great, but they were decent um, when he was not playing. So uh, I do think there's some proof there that that their collective unit, Brad Stevens, doesn't like to run isolation for Kyrie. He doesn't even like to run pick and roll primarily as with, with Kyrie being the lead ball handler. It, like He likes free-flowing offense. You know, it's more Steve Kerr style of, uh, of movement and stuff, stuff like that. So I, I don't think that it's – crazy to think that they were they would still be a top four ish team in the in the revamped eastern conference but if Kyrie did leave but for this season I I do think I mean, we, we should be clear if Kyrie was somehow not available for from here on out from here to June that team would get smoked in the first or second round um you know they might lose in the second round with Kyrie but w- without his shot creation without his uh, fourth quarter play, uh, when it matters the most, I don't think that they have a chance against anybody. So I, I do think the answer to um, those numbers, how they've been bad the last five games when he's come back, the bench, it, it's kind of funny. The bench has not been great. The bench has been kind of bad in the last few games. So that has made them suffer. When he goes to the bench, that team gets uh, plummeted here recently. Uh, at, the start, at the start of the year, the bench was great. 
the start of the year, uh, uh, Marcus Morris, all the, all those type guys were were pretty good. But uh, here recently, only Horford and Tatum have been playing well. Well, one more thing before I throw it to you, Tim. Um, it, it seems like if they've come forward, have the Celtics, and they basically let it be known. Other, if they re-sign Kyrie, which it seems like they will, moving forward. They want to make a, a run for Anthony Davis, and they are saying everyone is available. It doesn't matter who it is, they're available. Is that the right strategy for them to do? Should they pull out all the stops and make a move for Anthony Davis, or should they possibly maybe hold on for, you know, I would I would, I would think they would want to hold on to Tatum and some of those young pieces. Yeah. It seems like they're willing to throw everything at the Pelicans just to get Anthony Davis. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I, I, so I think it's really clear that uh, Danny Ainge loves Jason Tatum like a son because, I mean, he traded the number one pick, traded down to get Tatum at number three because uh, he knew regard, he knew no matter where they were going to draft. Like, even if they were drafting number one, they were going to take Tatum uh, over Fultz, and it would have been a ballsy move at the time. Uh, but he would have been vindicated. And uh, so I, I do think that, uh, you know, he wants to keep Tatum. But I will say, um, if you even have an inkling, if you have an idea, if you have a feeling that Anthony Davis is going to resign with you long term if you get him in the door, then I think you – you know, personally, this is where I just land on the table. I think that you just lay it all out there. Uh, because if if you have a guarantee that he's going to come and stay – uh, for at least a three-year deal after 2020, so he'll, so you, he's yours until 2023. Then I think that you trade no matter what it takes. Brown, Tatum, Smart, uh, you know, picks. Um, and you know that's just that's just how I feel about it because because it, it's very rare that a top five player, you could argue top three. I mean, I wouldn't argue it, but um, you could argue Davis is a top three player. But it's it's very rare that those guys are available. They're never available because they always get maxed out by their current teams or they don't want to play in a market uh, that's not L.A. or, or New York or whatever. Um, the, you know, they, they want to play for a winner. And Boston checks these boxes. It's, it's a decent market. It's not L.A., it's not New York, but it's still a great history. And if he wants to stay long-term there, you, that's, the, that's the thing you have to do. You have to talk to him. You have to talk to Rich Ball. You have to do all the research and, and all the asking you, you can. Um, during that time, whenever you're trading, whenever you're thinking about trading for him, if he would stay long term, <laughs> and, and if you get the answer that it's no, then no, of course you don't get rid of Tatum. Tatum's going to be a bona fide top twenty player uh, whenever he uh, matures. But uh, if if the answer is yes, I, I trade everything, and that's why I was not against the Lakers trading everything. All right, let's Tim? not forget. Let's not forget either that when Danny Ainge says all and everything, somehow he managed yeah. to come up with a way different definition than the rest of the universe does because the man's a wizard when it comes to, to trading. Oh, yeah, and Danny Ainge. Yeah, very true. He rarely, he rarely loses trades, <laughs> rarely. If ever. Not often, anyway. Um, I was going to go towards uh, how did you feel now that we don't have to talk about uh, James Harden and his 30 a night? Uh, see, I, you know, I've been called a hardened hater and I don't understand it. Um, I really don't understand it because I have praised him for his scoring efforts. I think 
I'm actually writing something right now. I'm not about James Harden, but it's about a different player, and Harden, Harden's name and efforts come up in this piece that I'm doing because it's like a comparative uh, all-time scoring thing. And, and uh, he, I do believe he's one of the five or six best scorers ever when, it, when you lay it all out there. But, like, I, I'm so glad that we don't have to hear this narrative about, oh, well, this is the reason he's the MVP. Like, you know, if that 30-point streak was the reason that they were going to give someone an MVP, I think it's a little bit ludicrous. And uh, I guess that's where my hardened haterism comes in because I've always said he's second or third in MVP for me, and that just seems completely mind-blowing to people that live in Texas. Um, I think if you live in Texas, then you're just obligated to get on Twitter and, and absolutely cuss people out and bash people because that's, that's what it seems like is happening. <laughs> well, we're, not, uh, we're not particularly big uh... – we don't deny his talent, but we're not particularly big fans of him either because we, I think we have a consensus here that we find him, well, boring to watch. Yeah, I don't think that it's the best style. Like like I, I, like you said just now, if you had a uh, choice between watching, I mean, the Nets play basketball or the, or the Rockets. I mean, you know, the Rockets are a lot better than the Nets, but yet you would still probably watch Brooklyn play because they don't have a star or they have an all-star, but – you know, it, their style was just so much better, um, so well, much how, different, I and mean, more many, complete and more appeasing. How many other line scores would you see where I believe he had, uh, uh, don't quote me, but I think it was in at 45 or something along those lines, and no assists, not a single one. And we're just When like, was that? Hey, that was, wasn't that long ago, was it, Nate? When he put in, I think it was 44, and he had not a single um, assist in the game. I, I know he didn't have a lot of assists. Um, pretty let, sure me, let me do a little research. Let me do a little research. Let's, let's or, it was, or it was close to none, and we couldn't believe like how hard that must yeah. be to play to play with him, knowing that he's going to take. They, uh, oh no, it was not no assists. They, it was no. He had no assists on his points. That's what it was. Oh yeah, yeah, that was that was he, it. That, he, that was three hundred right, points in a row. That he that he doesn't he just takes the ball out and goes down the court and fires up a three. Yeah. Which. It was crazy. Um, and to your point, though, I mean, there was a game um, against Oklahoma City on February 9th where it was the Saturday night game that uh, the Rockets lost. He had 42 points and one assist. And, you know, this this season has really been different for Harden. This season has been different for Harden because he's normally up in the eight or nine or ten assists. He, he's normally one of the best passers in the NBA because he gets that uh, – either he gets a switch and he breaks you down and then he'll pass well, just one easy pass away to the corner for a shooter, or he'll run pick and roll with Clint Capella and lob it. He's one of the best lob throwers in the league. But I guess since they've been they've been so injury riddled that he's had to take over, and, and the passing has been non-existent. But uh, as we speak right now, O of seven from three continues to jack them up, and they might lose in Charlotte. So I, you know, I, I just don't see how. I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious to know your guys' opinion on this. Um, I just don't know how he would would be considered above Giannis Antetokounmpo for MVP. To, to me, it just seems crazy that, that he would be over Giannis in anyone's mind if you don't live in Texas. Tim, you want to handle that first, and then I'll throw in my opinion on that. <laughs> beats, beats the H-E double hockey sticks out of me because, for me, he's a very – he's a very – I mean, like I said, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's good at that one thing he does. But that's pretty much the only thing he does, for me anyway. Yeah. Whereas Giannis is just a, well, what can't he do? Let's put it that way. Well, the, 
Well, he he can't shoot. I will say that he doesn't, Harden, need, okay, but he doesn't, he doesn't need to though. Harden is fantastic at the one thing the Greek freak can't do, and I think here's one okay, of your major so issues. So that's one check. That's one point towards Harden, and the other. Oh no! Uh, what other other facets me, we want to talk about go the other way? So well, you've heard me. I, to me, the Greek freak is the MVP right now, unless something happens. I don't see it being and Harden. I got Harden at three for the MVP race. I got Paul George ahead of him because yeah. Paul George is playing just unbelievable basketball right now. And here's a, here's a shocker: Paul George, he's on an Oklahoma City team that wasn't supposed to be as good as this Rockets team, but yet they're ranked a lot higher. They win a lot more games, and Paul George is killing it right now for Oklahoma City. But yeah. the reason I think. The, the Greek Freak's the MVP, and the reason why a lot of people aren't giving him the credit is that Milwaukee Bucks team last season was a seven seed. Not a lot of people mm-hmm. watched that Bucks team play um, in that series. They played um, the opening round. They played against Boston, I believe it was in the opening. Was it Boston? They played yeah. in the opening round. I think it was. Yeah, they took and, that Boston they, team uh, last seven games. They took them seven. Now. My big issue with the Boston t- with the Milwaukee team from last season was their lack of coaching. They went out and got a coach, and then they made one of the best free agent moves in the offseason that nobody talked about in getting Brooke Lopez onto that team and finally establishing a pure center for the Bucks. Then, at the All-Star break, they make a, a move that, again, nobody talked about. Nikola Mircic, they bring him in. They trade Stanley Johnson and some more pieces away. They bring him in. Giannis is doing what he's doing this season with a cast of really cast-offs. New Orleans wanted to get rid of Miracic. This is his third team in so many years. Eric Bledsoe was a guy the Suns were throwing away. Tony Snell, the Bulls just kind of tossed him aside. Uh, they drafted <laughs> Malcolm Brogdon that nobody wanted. Uh, you know, he fell in the draft. You look at some of the other contributors on this team – uh, Chris Middleton, where the where the heck did Chris Middleton come from? And he's playing great yeah. basketball. He's doing a great job. And I'm looking at this yeah, team, and I'm and the Milwaukee Bucks are not a big market. They're a small market team. Nobody is paying attention to them. And a lot of people are comparing them to last year's Raptors, saying, "Oh well, they're just a regular season team. They'll get in the playoffs and run into uh, you know they'll run into the Sixers or." This Milwaukee team is pretty legit. Now, do I think this Milwaukee team will get to the finals? No, I do not. Do I think this Milwaukee team is legit? Yes, I do. But I think the Raptors will get there this season. Do I think Giannis is MVP? Absolutely, I think he is. You can look at his numbers. You can watch him play on the defensive side. He takes over takes over games on defense. He can block shots, runs the court, create his own shot, find open shooters. He just does it all. Oh yeah, uh, and I, I think what does it for me is the is the fact that um, if you if you look at the Warriors who have uh, seventeen losses right now, um, their second best player is uh, you know Stephen Curry or Kevin Durant. To, to take your pick, uh, the second best player for um, Giannis who only fourteen losses right now is Chris Middleton. That gap is so significant; it's unreal. Um, and as you said, I mean they're cast offs. They're they're uh, guys that are all going to be free agents. And that is the most ridiculous part of this 
is the fact that this team, the Milwaukee team, might not be the same next year. Giannis is the only starter that is not a free agent. The rest, Lopez, Bledsoe, Brogdon, Middleton, all free agents uh, this summer. So we have no idea what's going to happen. So this is the Bucks' window to compete. And I, I, I'm with you. I do not think they're in the finals. But I think that uh, their point differential of 9.7 over the, you know, over the course of the season, that's almost at the same level as the Warriors when they first started under Steve Kerr in 2014. So th- this team is, is legit, as you said. I, I just – I think that Toronto has more depth. They have a better feel for what it's going to take in the playoffs. The people forget that Raptors team has been to the East Finals, and they would have been at the Finals if LeBron James didn't exist. So, <laughs> you know, I, I think the Raptors are ready. I never count yeah. out Lynn's sanity either. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was another that was another decent pickup there in the, off, in the All-Star break, kind of a last-second pickup that nobody brought up. They really solidified that guard position by signing Jeremy Lin uh, to that contract and bring or tr- getting him to come in there and play and putting him with Fred Van Fleet. And the Raptors are so deep. And that's why it's so hard for me to pick against them in the East. Now, I'll admit, I'm rooting very hard for Milwaukee. If I had to pick a team that would be outside of my Wolves who I'm rooting for to get there, it's going to be Milwaukee. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. the Raptors are so deep. And, Tim, you live in Canada, so I know you've got some Raptors stuff to throw at us. Go for it. I don't really have a whole lot, except I, I really enjoyed the uh, uh, beating they put on Boston after all. It's hard to put a, a finger on the pulse of the Raptors for me because they they just seem to continue to win for the most part. Their Their lineup is – kind of, you know, well, we got Leonard, and then after that, it's kind of sort of underwhelming, really, compared to some of the other teams, anyway. And yet, they still seem to just go out there, and they get it done. Half the time, their two best players don't play, or it seems that way, anyway. They're always taking the nights off and nonsense like that, and yet, they, they still seem to get it done. So, I, I don't know. The, There's been a... It's been strange. There's been one over like or under uh, underlying thing going on with the Raptors this season. It's it's really hanging over the heads of everyone in the, in that organization is the fact that they don't have a consistent offense that that they can that they can put out there and and they know the style is going to be what it is. Like Tor- Toronto, whenever Kawhi is playing, and and whenever the game's close in the second half, fourth quarter, the ball's in his hands. It gets slower. It's it's way more ISO heavy. They run probably forty to fifty percent of their plays through ISO when he's playing, um, when the game is close like that. But whenever he's out, and it's just Lowry, Danny Green, Siakam, Serge, and and, and Fred VanVleet when he's healthy, it's more ball movement. It's not you know they don't have that one guy that is unstoppable like Kawhi Leonard in the post, but it's just more threes, more speed more aggression it feels like and and there's just more movement and i think that uh that that's going to be a big dynamic because they're going to need Kawhi to take over and dominate whenever Boston has them down in a game or two or Milwaukee has them down in the fourth quarter um, cuz the only guy the only guy to contain Giannis is Kawhi that that's the only guy out there in the Eastern Conference i would say um or you know Pascal Siakam's long enough to really make a difference but um, that's going to be interesting is, is how Toronto works offensively in the playoffs when the games get slower because 
Ka- Kawhi is has proven he's really good in the playoffs. Uh, he, you know, he took it to the Warriors in that first half of Game One in 2017, and then he got injured. So we haven't seen him in the playoffs since then. So it, it's definitely going to be fun. But I, I do think Toronto has the varying styles. They have um, enough star power, and they have the defense. And I think that they're they're going to get to the finals. And it, it's going to be a pleasure to see if that team does go against the Warriors. Well, right now the matchup in the first round would be the Raptors against the Pistons if if the playoffs started today. <clears throat> on the Raptors is Kawhi Leonard. On the Pistons is Zaza Pachulia. So there could be a repeat of 2017. <laughs> I'm throwing that out there. But uh, I, I want to switch gears here. Let's bounce out to the West. I know you don't want to talk about the Lakers, but we have to. I mean, oh, I, oh, I, I definitely don't care to. I, I will. What's an NBA? Will. What's an NBA podcast without mentioning the Lakers? Um, yeah. I don't know if one. any of you all have seen the absurdity that was LeBron James's defensive effort against the Grizzlies the other night. Hmm. But if that's all he can do, good God Almighty, call it a day, LeBron. That was some of you, the worst you, defense you mean where he stood, I've ever where he seen. Stood there and watched his man go back to the three-point line and then put his hands up like, how come nobody did anything about that? Oh, wait a minute, that was my guy? Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, never mind. Let me, let, me, let me say this real quick. Uh, I, I've read some comments on the Internet, of course, because that's where you'll, you'll see most of those, but you'll see people saying they were in zone defense. God, learn some basketball. First of all, this is the NBA. Nobody plays zone defense in the NBA because of the defensive three-seconds rule. If you see a zone defense in the NBA, there is something wrong. So or I'll just accident. say that. It's a strict man-to-man league. If he was in zone defense, I don't know where he learned it because he hasn't played it since high school. So <laughs> there you go. But th- did you happen to see any of that, Shane? I want to hear your comments on LeBron's defense the other uh, night. It was hilarious. I was watching the game, and I was just like, oh, my God. If Bruno Caboclo is knocking down threes and um, – and, you know, LeBron just standing under the basket because he's clearly not focused. And, and, and I, you know, there's some possessions that he does look focused, but that's only for about 8 to 10 seconds. The entire shot clock is 24 seconds. And going against Memphis, he just loses that attention whenever the shot clock gets down to 5. And we saw Joe Kim Noah cruise down the lane for a dunk, just absolutely walks down the lane like he was still in Chicago. Um, and, and it was just pretty funny to see a, a Joe Kim Noah team uh, just hurt LeBron like that because that brings back memories. But what it's was just funny, funny to see Joe Kim Noah part, be effective on the offensive end? That's yeah. funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I think what was the the best part of the, about this was today at practice. Um, there was a reporter in LA that asked Luke Walton about that play specifically. Said. What what did you see whenever Bruno hit that three and LeBron's under the basket? And Luke Walton putting on his politician hat, trying to trying to stick up for his man, uh, LeBron. It was crazy that he was defending it. It was saying like, oh, well, you have to give up something uh, playing against teams in this league. And, and you know, we chose that we were going to have Kuzma trap Conley, uh, you know, near half court, and then he had to get back to Bruno. So he pretty much just said – Kuzma didn't get back in time. And, and you know, the funny part is LeBron's standing there guarding nobody. So why does Kuzma have to guard two people? I, you know, it, it just completely made no sense. And LeBron Luke Walton was just trying to stick up for his guy. Our strategy was to give up open threes. That's some sound coaching. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I mean, mean, I like, you know, and I like Luke Walton, but yeah, he got he's been thrown under the bus there. Though, what's he gonna yeah, do? Yeah, you can find that you can find that whole uh, series of quotes at Laker Film Room. That's the uh, guy that asked the questions, okay. and he has the okay. whole thing of it. Because I saw earlier today that, that now that speculation has led to that uh, that he's uh, never rec- that he's either still hurt or that he has finally lost a step to the that his age has finally caught up to him a tiny bit. Oh, I, I think the age is definitely doing. I I don't think that he's hurt. That's the thing. Like I I do think that he's had enough time to to heal. Um, he could have come back a long time before he did. Because he was cleared, he just you know they were just waiting it out and making sure he's 100. Um, so I don't think that injury has anything to do with this. I think that he picked up weight, and I think that he's still getting in shape, um, which is crazy because I mean I feel like LeBron's always in shape. So this has definitely been really different compared to what we've yeah, seen in the I, I last year. Ever seen or read where the opposition was? Uh, they're not afraid of him right now. Like they oh, have, especially, especially no defensively, especially defensively, where guys are just are quite happy to take take the, the ball to him because he can't keep up. Yeah, you have guards like D'Angelo Russell, Kyrie Irving, um, Kemba Walker, any isolation point guard that uh, that wants to get pick and roll and get a switch. Whenever they whenever they get LeBron switch on switch onto them, now they're probably smiling and laughing. It's it's that crazy, and and to me. I don't. I probably we shouldn't probably get into this, but like I think that 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 just kind of eliminates your reasoning for uh, to be the best player in the world. I think that just uh, you know if you're a liability on one end of the court, it's okay to not be that good on defense. Uh, we see it all the time. And Steph Curry is not that good. He's James he tries Hart. he tries really hard. Yeah, yeah, James Harden. He tries really hard. Um, Harden doesn't try as much, but. Uh, so like Steph's not really good on defense, and yet he's probably one of the two best players in the world. So I, I do think that uh, LeBron being a liability, not trying, not getting effort, um, that kind of takes away his uh, account or his uh, credibility there. Yeah, no argument one, thing, here. one thing I want to bring up about LeBron, this is a point I kind of made. I wrote an article. Uh, it's up on WideMenCan'tJump.com. Cheap plug. Um, it's it's five questions that need to be answered uh, after the All-Star break. And one of those questions was, do the Lakers make the playoffs? I said they don't. And here's why. And not just because of, of, of the players there. Because I think that team, if LeBron gets back to a decent shape, is healthy, I think they could make the playoffs. Here's why I don't think they do. I don't think LeBron wants to make the playoffs this season. I think LeBron is very happy in getting an early exit, bowing out, resting, because you got to remember, LeBron's made the postseason now for 13 straight years, and nine of those straight have been to the NBA Finals, or eight or nine. I can't remember the exact number, but it's, it's a lot. And he's had not had a lot of time to rest because he's been playing USA Basketball, been doing all these things. LeBron's tired. And I'm not trying to make an excuse for the guy. I'm not the biggest LeBron fan. I'm not going to say that I am. I do believe, he's, to me, he still is the best player in the world when motivated. He's got a case of the Andrew Wiggins right now. He's not motivated because he doesn't want to make the playoffs. Because if he makes the playoffs this year, 
they're bounced first round. If they win one game, that's the best they're going to get. There's no way this team is ready to make a run, and LeBron knows that. LeBron knows that he needs to save himself because his days in, in playing pro basketball are numbered. I don't care how much in shape you're in. I don't care how much you can, you know, save your body. you got to realize eventually you're going to have to retire, and that day is coming for LeBron. Is it now? No. But he needs to save himself for when he has a shot. And I think next season, depending on how free agency goes, LeBron thinks it's going to go well, clearly. I think they have a shot next year, depending on what happens in the offseason. But I don't think LeBron wants to take this ragtag bunch with him to the NBA playoffs. And right now, I think he's kind of just laying back and saving himself a little bit. I think that has a lot to do with it. Oh, absolutely. Um, and and if you're if you're him and you're looking at this like uh, like a marathon, not a sprint. Um, he's almost at the end of his marathon. You know, it's not too it, it's not too far away from him being like 37. I mean, right now he's 34. He'll be 35 um, at Christmas, whenever they ideally would have uh, another free agent. So it, let's just say they get. Um, I, I can't even say they're going to get anybody because I, I really don't think they're going to get somebody. But, I mean, if, if Kyrie did go there and team up with them again, I mean, LeBron would be 35 by the time that playoff run started with another guy. So, yeah, I mean, how often do you see 35-year-old uh, stars carry their teams to an NBA Finals like that? I mean, it hasn't happened since Michael Jordan, right? I mean, I, unless I forget Kobe. No, Kobe wasn't even doing that at 35. Kobe's. Mm-hmm last runs were 31, 32 years old. Um, Jordan's really the only one. Tim Duncan, but Tim Duncan wasn't carrying the load offensively. So this will be definitely unprecedented if LeBron does chill for a year, as we think that he's pro- he might be doing, um, then like get reinvigorated next year once they get someone else. But still, he'll be, he'll be 35 years old by the time the 2020 playoffs are here. And uh, it's not looking great. I mean, you know, over under on titles that that LeBron will win the rest of his career. If you put the line at, at 0.5, I'll go one under. I don't think he's winning the title again um, as long as he's in the NBA. And, and that sucks to say, but it's just reality when you consider the competition level, the the amount of shooting in the league now, and the Lakers don't really have, an, have enough of it, um, and LeBron's age. It's not looking great. But he's had his success for the last 16 years, so I think he'll live. <laughs> Well, what's, uh, what say you, Mr. Dombrova? What say you to all this? You know how I feel about LeBron. He's a heck of a basketball player. I just wish he would keep a little – well, he hasn't been quite as – or at least I haven't seen it. He hasn't been quite as uh, mouthy this year. I just wish he'd let his basketball do his talking for him. I kind of think that maybe he has realized that his career is coming to an end. And he's making the transition to uh, the business slash Hollywood world where he seems to be quite interested in all that. And there's big, 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 big money there, bigger than what he makes playing basketball even. Um, so he might just be winding it down, I think. Yeah. And he came out, he came out that one day, I guess it was a week ago, or maybe it was at the All-Star break. can't remember, but he's like, I have nothing else to prove. And that's true. He doesn't, but at the same time, you cannot, you cannot be saying that uh, just a year after or two years after you said I'm chasing the ghost of Michael Jordan. Which one is it? 
because if you have a lot to prove and you, or if you have nothing to prove, then, yeah, don't be coming out and saying, like, oh, well, I, I'm going to end up being the greatest of all time. You can't have it both ways. Um, you're, you know, you're not – I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if he's the greatest of all time. He's definitely in the top two or three. But, like, no, you're not going to catch Michael Jordan if, if this is if, – if this is it for you and you're not competing anymore and you will never make the finals again, then, no, I mean, you, you can't be going out and saying stuff like that. Well, you, know, say, well, you can I mean, say what you want about Michael Jordan, but at least, I mean, he, he died when he was out there, even when he really wasn't that good anymore at the end. He still gave everything, and he, he would have, you know, nice guys to win basketball games, whereas yeah. LeBron has never, has never really had that, um, I don't know, what's the killer instinct kind of thing. He, he He's never really been that kind of guy. Well, one thing I will yeah. say about LeBron, I, I hate, I've absolutely – hate the greatest player of all time debate and I've said that multiple times I will continue to say that because it's like nobody ever wins and to me a lot of these players you can't compare they don't play the same positions they don't play in the same era they don't play the same type of ball so we're never going to know honestly that's how I look at it we're never going to be able to say it we all can have our opinions on it but there are people out there literally like they're almost like dying they have to say this guy's the best of all time and it's just like yeah we all have our arguments and we all have our beliefs but man it's just let's just watch and enjoy the game that's where i'm at some some are more arguable than others but with lebron you can make the point that he might be the greatest player of all time that argument can be made at least some of the other guys you hear thrown out there it's like oh come on yeah and longevity is going to be a big thing about this like but I mean, I'll swallow. I'll swallow my words, like, or I'll, I'll eat crow and everything. If um, if he is just dominant at 36 years old, you know, that will be something that that we haven't seen because at 36, LeBron will be in his 20th season, or no, his 19th season, something like that. I mean, it would be pretty remarkable if he is still leading the league, or at least there with Durant and there with Davis, Giannis, and all these type of guys. Um, of course, we expect him to take a, take another step back. I mean, I'm I'm scared to see what his defense is going to look like in about two years. <laughs> if it's already this bad now, I mean, I don't know what to look at in 2021. Because <laughs> well, they all say father time catches up with everybody sooner or later. Even the greatest players in the world become shadows of what they yeah. once were. Because it's just that's just how it works. So yeah, I, I yeah. my favorite player is Kobe. My favorite player is Kobe, yeah. and I saw it. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, it happened. So it did. Uh, one qu- one more thing, Shane. I want to bring up, and I thought this would be interesting. Um, and there's a very distinct possibility this could happen. Right now, the four and five seed in the East is the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers and the Boston Celtics. How crazy would it be to see the playoffs come around? And the Sixers and the Celtics have to play in the first round of the four-five matchup. <laughs> uh, it would be probably a, a nerve-wracking experience for Brett Brown and Joel Embiid, who have admitted like we are just get whipped when we play these guys, when we play these guys, and we cannot beat them. I mean, when's the, when's the last time Philly's beaten Boston? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if they did last year, and they might have went one and three last year. But this year so far, they got them in. I I know they got them in the. uh, They won one game in the series last year. Yeah, Uh, I do know that. Hit a. Yeah, 
I, I, yeah, I do remember that one now. Um, but they took them know, to overtime on Christmas. Uh, they lost in Philly by three the last time they played, which was earlier this month. I, I'm just you know looking up recent history because no, no I think Kyrie this, Irving. Yeah, no Kyrie. Uh, so I mean, it's one of those interesting. Yeah. And then we go back. To, they did get one in the East semis, and that's I think that's the last time they got them was in the East semifinals, yeah. and that was the only game they got them. I think, and you know, our co-host TR, who um, when he's on the show, he wants to like Ben Simmons. He's a Sixers fan, but I think the Ben Simmons matchup at the point guard is where they're losing this battle because Rozier, Irving, basically any point guard Boston has can handle Ben Simmons just because he can't shoot the basketball. Yeah, yeah, um, you know that was a huge problem in that playoff series and it was a problem in the last matchup they played but like as time goes on and in these last 20 games and then the first round I, I don't think that that's going to be a big hindrance on on the series like because Ben Simmons is still insanely crafted or crafty and 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 is going to be able to get to the rim um and finish I mean he he had a couple of good games in that series. It, it wasn't all bad. A, a, a couple of atrocious games, let me be clear. But um, I, I don't yeah, think with this talent game. affiliate. Yeah, one-point yeah. game in that with, series. With, this talent, <laughs> with, with the talent that he has now, so one way to combat not being guarded is you just run quick pick-and-roll or quick dribble handoff. So, like, Draymond Green has the same thing happen to him where they literally just stand in the paint and say, shoot that ball, we dare you. So what then he does, what he does uh, immediately after that is calls for Steph or Clay to come get the ball, and he'll just set a quick screen for them. And then that big is so far in the paint um, that he's not able to come guard that. So I think with Ben Simmons, if they're, gonna, if they're going to um, seg back that far, then you get J.J. Redick. To play just quick pick and roll with uh, with Ben, and and that that way that you can just pretty much punish the Celtics for for playing that far off. So I think that Brett Brown's smart enough to figure out what to do here um, about that. And I would pick Philly in that series. It's probably not popular, but I just think Philadelphia has more talent. Philadelphia is right now better offensively uh, than Boston. Uh, the defense they're probably even when Embiid's on the floor. And and Embiid has problems with Al Horford, which is which is uh, another underrated aspect of the series. But uh, when it, when it comes to a seven game series, the way Joel Embiid has played this year, if he gets that knee healed and where he doesn't have a tendonitis and he doesn't have pain, then yeah, uh, I think Philly right now is better equipped to win a series. Especially since Marcus Smart today said that uh, we're not winning because we're not together. I mean, good lord, this is a uh, February 27th, and and you have the leader of your team saying we're not together. Pretty crazy. Well, the main reason for that is Jimmy Butler, but we'll leave that at that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I got to throw shade at Butler. Uh, One more, actually, I said one more thing earlier. I got one more thing. Tim, do you have anything else for Shane? Oh, you carry it on, mate. Okay. Uh, and again, thank you so much. You've given us like 45 minutes, and I really appreciate that, oh, Shane. Okay. Uh, didn't mean to take you so long here, but this was something I saw today as well. The NBA Insiders has a list of top 10 players under the age of 25, and they they put out 10 or they put out 10 of them, and they said pick from these 10 players two 
to start a franchise. So I'll list these players, and you give me who you would pick to start a franchise with. Tim, I want you to do the same, so be thinking on it. The Greek Freak, Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, Joel Embiid, De'Aaron Fox, Nikola Jokic, Donovan Mitchell, Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, Carl Anthony Towns. Shane, what's your thoughts? Oh, well, well, okay, well, I guess if we're going to, like, rank them, because, because I think there's an answer, and it's Giannis, and that's the answer, but... Um, yeah, I think everybody that, would say Giannis after that, so... Yeah, so, so after that, then it really, it's tough between Towns and Bede and Jokic, and anyone after that, I'm not considering above those guys. Like, I'm not considering Tatum over Towns, I'm just not doing it, I'm sorry, Towns is too good. Um I'm not considering Fox over any of those guys because I think that Darren still has a long way to go, um, and even at his ceiling, it's not touching Towns' ceiling. But if you make me choose between Jokic, Towns, and Embiid, oh, you know, with with Embiid's knee and and Embiid's back and his foot, like everything that could possibly go wrong, um, the way Jokic plays is not – as physically um, dependent, like he can still be a great passer from the mid post, no matter if he's 25 or or 35. Uh, I think I'll take Jokic to build the team because look look what we've already seen the Denver rise into. I mean, it's something that we thought Minnesota was going to be, and Towns doesn't quite come to that level. Um, they might not make playoffs this year, but you know I love Carl Towns, but I think Nikola Jokic is better, and I, I'm going to take him after Giannis. What about you? Tim, what do you? What are your thoughts? If you oh, well, you, I mean, obviously, obviously, you take the Greek. You, you got no choice there. Really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, and I, I, to be honest, after that, I probably take anybody except maybe. I, I'm not a, I'm not a Joel Embiid fan from a team building <laughs> point of view. Because I, just, I don't like his attitude. I don't like his his chatter. And then, like I said, then and then throwing the injury stuff. Uh, that's that's not team building material for me, but I'll take anybody yeah. else after that. I don't think you can go wrong with any of them, but I don't, I don't think yeah. I don't think you go wrong with any of them. I was I too was leaning with Jokic, but as a homer that I am, and the way I've watched Towns grow over the few, the past few years, I had to go with Towns. Uh, Jokic is fantastic. I will sing Nikola Jokic's praises till the cows come home. Here's my difference between Jokic and Towns and it's a slim difference Jokic is a better passer Towns to me is the guy that I can look at and say there's you know there's two minutes left on the clock take us home let's win this Yeah. I mean if you got the Greek freak next to him I think Towns' biggest problem is the best player he's played with didn't like him and that's Jimmy Butler because Jimmy (laughs) Butler's an asshole yeah and, and Andrew Wiggins shows up when Andrew Wiggins wants to. Playing with Dario Sarge and Robert Covington, Carl Anthony Towns has looked so much better than he did playing with Jimmy Butler, and his numbers are showing it too. I think if you took Towns and put him next to the Greek freak, you would see a level of Carl Anthony Towns like we would not know. And I think the main difference in why the Wolves haven't been that next great team yet is because Andrew Wiggins has not lived up to the hype. Uh, Jeff Teague's been injury plagued. Taj Gibson's done okay in his role, um, but Towns has been great. The bench has and been the bench has been terrible for the most part. 
the bench this year is better than it's been in years. But again, remember, yeah. Towns was getting played forty minutes, forty some minutes a game under Tom Thibodeau. So Towns was tired. Towns was actually getting like he was playing forty some minutes, and Tom Thibodeau was just destroying him. And there was no camaraderie, yeah. no nothing. So I, I'm a fan of Carl Towns. I'm going to stick with Carl Anthony Towns, but I do love Nikola Jokic. I'm not going to sit here and say that he's not fantastic because I'm really high there's on There's only one player. Game. There's only one player on that entire list that I, I just can't get behind. Like, especially when you're in the context of, of picking him to build my team. And I, I'm sorry if you're a Devin Booker fan and you're and you're listening to this, or if you're in that studio. But um, I, I, I can't do it. I, 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 yeah, I can't. I do not think that guy is ever going to be a winning basketball player. And and what I mean by that is like. Just put him, put replacement level players around him. Not this crapshoot of players that, that's in Phoenix, which has been absolutely terrible. But just put him on. All right, replace him with Towns. Like you, you give uh, Booker those current Minnesota teammates, and that team is god awful. You know, oh, I, yes, I just I don't agree. think I, Devin Booker is just not not a uh, impactful player to put it that way. He's a good scorer, and you know, but he's not efficient enough to where it justifies taking the all those shots too. So, you know, I, I just can't get behind them. But anyone else, De'Aaron Fox, um, who else did we say? Jason Tatum, Towns, Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, uh, probably some other ones in there. But Simmons, yeah, I'm just not with Booker. Mitchell. Yeah, Simmons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I understand that. And uh, Shane, thank you again for jumping on with us and talking a little uh, around the league with us here for the, about the past, oh, I don't know, close to an hour. We really do appreciate it. And uh, oh, yeah, do I hope you it. can uh, come back soon. Yeah. Uh, won't you let our listeners know where they can find you and keep up with you? I know you're on Twitter, got a bunch of followers, and always tweeting stuff. Let them, let our listeners know. Oh yeah, you could if you well care to follow. You could uh, hit me up at YoungNBA on Twitter. Um, also, uh, post some stuff on Instagram. I might go Instagram live sometimes on just to answer some questions at ShaneYoung24. Um, and then. Uh, you can follow my writing if, if, you, if you care to see my writing on at Clutch Points, but normally I'll post it on Twitter anyway, so, so Twitter's the main thing. Um, but I'm in the midst of writing something right now, so I, whether it comes out next week or so, maybe next week, maybe Monday, um, definitely check that out. It'll be a long-form piece on a certain player. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Shane, for jumping yeah. on. We really appreciate it. Oh, appreciate you guys. Have a good one. You too, thanks. And that was Shane Young, NBA columnist, freelance analyst from Clutch Points. What'd you think, Tim? Another, another, we hit another home run in the guest department. Yet again. Yeah. Shane's fantastic. Yeah, good guy, knowledgeable guy, smart guy, et cetera, et cetera. You don't like uh, what he had to say, then, well, I feel sorry for you. (laughs) <laughs> exactly Shane does great uh, He's a great guy I love his stuff Love his writing He's a fantastic writer But uh, speaking of fantastic You can get a fantastic deal right now At cambay.com If you go check them out Over there And you can use the promo code WIDEMAN To get yourself some free credits You like that Tim? That was what we like to call uh, a Segway That's credits. right A Segway Yeah Free credits but uh, let's hear from our friends at Cambay.com.
Are you sick of the boring same old campsites with the same old girls and the same boring content? Well, now's your chance to jump over to a brand new website called cambay.com. C-A-M-B-A-E.com. When you're on Cambay, whatever you want and whatever you desire is right at your fingertips. Be sure to join right now and use promo code WIDEMEN to get 20 free credits on cambay.com. Use those credits to go towards whatever your fantasy is and make sure that you know cambay.com wants to make you as happy as you can be. Be sure to join right now. Again, it's cambay.com, C-A-M-B-A-E.com. And unlike college, it's not going to take you guys 20 free credits to finish. So join cambay.com right now. Use promo code WIDEMAN and get your free credits. Again, that's our friends at cambay.com. Go check them out. They're awesome. That's all I can say about it. That's all I can say here you legally. Know, so. I would, uh, with those kind of credits and that kind of a program, I think I'd be getting another degree myself. <laughs> definitely. Definitely a degree you would, you would want to have. Might have to double up. Uh, I'm a double major. <laughs> double major. <laughs> let me let me just let me just take a second here. There's been a well, how can I dare say breaking news. If you say breaking news, I'm gonna get excited. No, there has no breaking news. Oh, um, recently last week there was an incident involving Carl Anthony Towns where he was in a car accident. Um, and he, he, he actually got hurt. He, he was injured. He was under concussion protocol. Uh, he, and, and he was okay, luckily, cause he's playing tonight, but Carl Anthony Towns made it very clear that he felt he was lucky to be alive, uh, after this injury. And I'll just go ahead and say, had anything happened to Carl Anthony Towns, ladies and gentlemen, you would have really had to, you would have really had to come find me. It would have been bad times for Nate Bush. If I've ever if you've ever seen bad times, it would have been bad times. Uh so I'm just happy that my team is is doing better now and that Towns was okay. Towns made it through okay. That was a it was a scary situation when I got that notification that Towns had been involved in a car accident. Um but was okay. So good news there on that front. All right, fair enough. <laughs> Gee, thanks for that analysis, Tim. Really appreciate it. <laughs> oh, I don't have a whole lot to add to that. I mean, obviously, the you know, uh, I don't want to see anybody get hurt, and good thing he's not. And I really don't know what more I can add to that. Sister, sister, <laughs> you can see, sister, gentlemen, Tim, a sister, Gene, talk. I don't know. Tim's Tim's diehard analysis keeps on giving, I mean, as you can tell here. I mean. <laughs> Do you, want, you, do you want to pray for the guy tonight or what? Uh, maybe later. Let me bring up a stat right, for yeah. you, Tim. Here, here's an interesting stat. This was posted right. the other day. Alonzo Ball's been hurt and not been able to play since January 19th. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. I'm sure you've it. seen this. The Lakers, since Alonzo Ball got hurt, are 4-9. They've lost by 16.8 points per game, and they've lost to the Hawks, Pelicans, <laughs> and the Grizzlies. What are your thoughts on Lonzo? 
Well, tell you what, you know what I heard the other day? That uh, Lavar is going to Lavar is going to suit up with the three boys and the mother, and they'll just be <laughs> a five man unit, and they will be in the <laughs> they will destroy. They're going to be in the Eastern Conference, and they look to make playoffs next year. <laughs> wow. Lavar's Lavar's smothering defense. I mean, the mom has got to be out of this world to put up a. You know, she must be sainthood having to live in that mess, or crazy maybe. I'm not sure, but but okay. Anyway, Lonzo Ball. Um, Who would have thought that Lonzo Ball was the glue that held the Lakers together? eh? Who would have thought that? You know, we talked. I've talked some crap. I'll admit it. I'll, I'll, I've talked a little, a little crap here about, about Lonzo. Uh, um, you know, never was one of my favorites. I always thought he never was overrated, was. and his dis, my dislike of him is more about his father than it is him. Yeah, I think that's, I, I that's just, a major thing. Well, yeah, I, I suspect that if you were to get Lonzo Ball on his own and away from Daddy's influence, that Lonzo might not be that bad a kid. He's just he's yeah, lived I under mean, the shadow. He's lived under the shadow of daddy there for so long that he just kind of does what he's told. Little, little communist ball soldier there that just marches to wherever he gets told to march, and it's kind of sad actually because he. I think he might be, uh, you know, in the right system with the right other players. He he might not be that bad a player. Well, it seems like he he's found a place in L.A. where they are. Yeah, except he's never going to make it there because he does not have the blessing of because his father and LeBron don't get along. Uh, he he probably is not going to survive the purges in LA. Probably not. Uh, they're probably you're probably not going to see a uh, uh, you're probably not going to see any uh, any more of Lonzo there. There there will be a movement out and. I'm pretty sure that Lonzo will go, and that that's that's really a shame, honestly, because I think Lonzo's a good player. I really do. I'm, I'm at that point. He's become a better player throughout. I think it might do him good to go somewhere where the spotlight doesn't shine on him quite so much, um, and maybe not quite so much expected of him, where he can find. I mean, he hasn't. Not this is his first first year, right? Second, he, was, he played two. last year. Senior two yeah. already. Okay, but still, okay, that's two years. I mean, he's still got lots of time to to find his game and his niche in a bigger scheme of things, uh, where they haven't really let him over there. I mean, the lineup changes every two minutes in LA, and between that and the the stories and his dad's BS and all the rest, probably pretty hard to uh, just worry about basketball when there's so much else going on there. He might do really well if he went to a nice small market team where he could just be himself. You know, you may be right. I mean, I, I'm you you may be right. As Billy Joel once said, you may be right, I may be crazy. Or you may be crazy, but you know, um, you, you may be on to something there. Just well, I mean he's 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 survived in LA. But I mean if he continues with what he has been so far, he's I mean, he'll crank out a seven, eight-year career in the NBA, and he'll be gone. Yeah, 
I mean, he might, but we'll see what happens uh, as his career develops. But right now, he's seemingly a player that they need. And I never thought that I would be saying that, but apparently the Lakers need Lonzo Ball. Maybe he might help the glue, help be the glue that holds it together. So who knows? Can, can you picture Le, uh, LeBron serenading Lonzo Ball with "You're the wind beneath my wings"? <laughs> that would be highly entertaining. I would have to. Uh, I, I would have I to would, sit back. I, and, I would, in fact, buy the pay per view for that. I think. Well, I mean, who wouldn't, right? I mean, you, you well, have. That's to, true. I mean, that's LeBron. Point. I mean, go. Good Lord, I watched a television special where he announced what team he was going to go to, so why not a pay-per-view? <laughs> oh, God, that was terrible. I remember that. Yeah, that it was. <laughs> that choice. Don't, 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 don't. Yeah, don't get me. Yeah, that I'm was really the uh, that was really the who gives a shit Olympics, <laughs> if I've that ever seen it. Everybody was like, really? Why? <laughs> <laughs> so, we didn't already know, again. We didn't already do the math. Yeah, I mean, definitely. But another game that happened last week. This was a big game. Oklahoma City took on the Utah Jazz in a very entertaining game that went to double overtime and saw Paul George hit the floater for the win Paul in George. double overtime. Paul George, ladies and gentlemen, he's at it again. One half of the Beatles. <laughs> you know, there's times I just hate you, and tonight's one of those. But <laughs> either way. The best, uh, the best parts of the Beatles, Paul George. You're something else. And, I, Rove, I, and I, defy, I defy you to find an NBA, NBA player named Ringo John or John Ringo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, you know, okay, Jim, I told you, I told you earlier tonight that I didn't have, I didn't have this. I told you earlier I didn't have it, but it seems as though I lied, because ladies and gentlemen, Bush, That's right, ladies and gentlemen, Bush League is back. And, Tim, you should head over to the Wide Men Can't Jump Twitter page right now as we have three big nominees right in a row. Just to let people know. Two are from Twitter and one's from Facebook. So you'll have to click on the link. You are listening to Wide Men Can't Jump. You are not, in fact, in a hot tub time machine movie looking at a 70s porn. Bush League. (laughs) Well, get on over. To the Wide Man Can't Jump Twitter page. The Wide Man Can't Jump Twitter page. They're right in a row, all within all the last three posts on the page. Check them out. We're going to start with the first post up. Your first Bush League winning nominee this week the New York Knicks. The Knicks got a Nick. As the Spurs, LaMarcus Aldridge misses a jumper. Two players go for the rebound for the Knicks, and they knock the ball <laughs> into their own basket. One of the ladies, one of the few t- in the NBA, you'll actually see two guys go for a rebound. And maybe now I know why they don't. <laughs> and one of the only times in the NBA you'll ever see the Knicks make a wide open layup. <laughs> Sorry, oh, New yeah. York, 
it's just not your year this year. And the, the Knicks, Knicks, they got a Nick. The poor Knicks. It's pretty hilarious to watch, though. <laughs> you know what it is, Nick? That's Bush. Bush League. You hear me? It is. It's, it's Bush just like, now, you know, yeah, when you really stop and look at that, though, it's just like there's three Knicks in the, in the frame. None of them speak. You know, <laughs> exactly. Like, hey, I got it. Hey, I got it. No, no. That would have made sense if they would have done that, but they didn't wow, because Nick got a Nick. And even yeah, David Fisdale enough. laughed at it. <laughs> David Fisdale had to laugh. Because he knows how bad this Knicks team is. All right, our next nominee. If you'll click on that link there, Tim, the Facebook link on the page, it'll take you to our next nominee. And uh, basically, this is going to be on the poor gentleman from Brigham Young University. Uh, There's a point guard at Gonzaga who is no longer welcome at the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints after that crossover. Woo, goodness gracious. There was like a, a exorcism right after this. On that yeah, day. I mean, the, the guy almost ended up getting a hot dog after he missed that on the crossover. Bless his heart. And uh, luckily, the Mormons are praying for him, so we'll see what happens there. But you know what that move was? I mean, if that is Bush League. <laughs> Absolutely. It's not, very, it's not very often you see a guy go teetering off into the corner. Like, I mean, he, he, it took him, like, five or six steps to regain his balance so he didn't fall down. <laughs> he should have just been. Yeah, it he did. Better, and it, it, was, it was a great crossover, but. Oh, well, good move. No two ways around that. Well, that. let's go to our final Bush League nominee, Mr. Clay Thompson in Charlotte, Buzz City on Monday night. Clay Thompson runs in. He's got a wide-open layup, and doink. Off it goes. Oh! Oh, he was struck down with Martel Holt syndrome mid layup. Uh, Clay Thompson. You know, he's one of the best shooters in the league. Now we see why he just shoots, ladies and gentlemen, because layups are not his bag baby. Like, did his fingers break like halfway up with the no extension? Or? It was completely uncontested. It was a great pass, yeah, but a great was, But it was like the ball... He goes for the layup, and the ball goes up, you know, and he's going to roll it off the fingertips. And then suddenly, like, his fingers don't work, and they just, you know, turn to spaghetti. That was just bizarre. Yeah, it is. But, Clay, I'm sorry, buddy. You know what it is. It's Bush League. Bush League. Well, there's your three Bush League nominees. And I have a favorite, Tim. If you had to pick, who would you pick in this week's <laughs> Bush League? I'm sorry, but I've, I've got to go with the Knicks. Great minds think like, alike, and the New York Knicks that. got a Nick. As the Knicks, the Knicks are this week's Bush League winners, we will make an anonymous, you know? we will make an anonymous donation in the Knicks' name to a charity of their choosing, as long as it has oh, anything yeah. to do. With up. So the New York the Knicks, government. congratulations, congratulations, Knicks! You are this week's Bush you know, League winners. You know the government of America has. Uh, given us a government grant, $10 million to uh, try to explain to the rest of the world what's wrong with the New York Knicks, and that's that's what we came up with right there. That's all we could figure out. So that's, that's, all, that's all, was all we needed. 
there. Yeah, really. That sums up that sums up the Knicks franchise for the last ten or so years. That sums up the Knicks, who are right now dying for Zion. So, Knicks, congratulations. No and that's been Bush League for this week. Bush League. That music is pretty damn sexy. I'm starting to like Bush League. <laughs> I'm glad you're starting to come around to it. I really to come appreciate around it. Bush League. Like I, I yeah, picture Bush. like I, I picture it's one of everyone's favorite. Yeah, I picture one some of sultry black woman dancing in that first part place. <laughs> well, before and we get hit with hate crime Tom charges, right uh, before we get hit with hate crime <laughs> charges, let's move along. I said sultry and, black uh, woman. There's nothing wrong I'm with kidding. that. I'm kidding. But I had a chance earlier today to sit down with Rod Beard from the Detroit News. And the Detroit Pistons have been on a tear as of late, Tim. I don't know if you know that. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10 games, and they're fighting for a playoff spot. They're the seventh seed right now. And this was seemingly after everyone kind of looked at them and thought they were dead in the water. But they've actually turned it around and are doing quite well right now. They're kind of a team nobody's really looking at or talking about. But... We here on Wide Mean Change of Wilts about them. They are the Detroit Possums. <laughs> People are sleeping on them, definitely. But, <laughs> Possums. but the Pistons uh, looking to get back over 500. They're playing tonight. I believe they're playing the Spurs tonight. But I did get a chance to sit down and speak with Rod Beard. And let's go ahead and go to my conversation with Rod Beard about the Pistons. And on the All other right. side, Tim and I will be back, and we're going to have a little bit more fun before we – Wrap up this week's episode. Here we go. Joining me right now is the Pistons writer for the Detroit News, Rod Beard. Rod, thanks for coming back on the show with us. Oh, no, thanks for having me back on. I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, anytime, anytime, but... We're going to talk a little Detroit Pistons here with Rod. Been covering the team this season, and you know it's been a quiet season for the Pistons this year. Uh, not a lot of moves made at the deadline, and really nobody's talking about them. But if you sit here and look at them, they're one game under five hundred uh, going into uh, as we approach Wednesday. They play tonight against the Spurs to get back to five hundred. They're the seventh seed in the East right now. Is this where you thought you would see the Detroit Pistons this season, sitting there kind of middle of the pack in the Eastern Conference? Yeah, I, at the beginning of the year, I thought they'd be a little bit higher, certainly with Blake Griffin going through a healthy summer and having gone through training camp and gotten a little bit more chemistry with uh, his new teammates since the trade deadline last year. Uh, I thought that they'd really pull things together. Reggie Jackson's been healthy, but it's Ish Smith injury that's been the, the biggest issue for them. I think they were 8-18 eight and 18 in the games that Ish Smith missed. Uh, so last year it was the Reggie Jackson injury. The year before it was the Reggie Jackson injury. Now it's Ish Smith's injury. So they're really starting to, to gel and, and show that chemistry now that they've won seven of their last eight games and inching back into the playoff picture. They were at a low point right before this little stretch. They were uh, like seven games under 500, looking like they weren't going to make the playoffs and really just fade away. But they've managed to put things together very nicely. Yeah, they've won seven out of their last eight, as I was looking over their schedule here just a moment ago. And, uh, you know, a lot of that, it's got to fall on your leaders, guys like Blake Griffin, guys like Andre 
Andre Drummond, who Drummond had 26 and 16 against the Pacers and a huge win there as Indiana, uh, without Oladipo, is still proving to be a contender. He had 12 and 14 against Miami and 26 and 21, a 2020 game against Atlanta. Talk about Drummond and how well he has stepped up here recently. Yeah, he's had 10 2020 games this year, I believe, is the, is the number now. Um, but it's it just every night he's going to give you um, a double-double, it seems, that it, even the 12 and 14 was sort of an off game for him. But it's just he doesn't have to be that A number one guy. Blake Griffin can be that guy, and he can play off of him. And at the time of the Blake Griffin trade to the Pistons, the issue was, well, hey, can they function with two big guys? Now the question's been reversed into can other teams stop them when you have a Blake Griffin who can play down in the post, who can play out on the perimeter, and when you have a Truman who can um, now, with the efficiency in his game that he's had in the past, I think 10, he's shooting something like 60-some percent, um, but he's taken a lot of those bad shots out of his repertoire that um, he was the, the fadeaway hooks or the, the three-pointers that he was trying at the beginning of the year. It's been a few weeks since he's tried a three-pointer even in a game, and he's really locked into what he does best, and that's offensive rebound, that's rim run and, and play pick and roll with Reggie Jackson. When you just focus on the things that you do well and you do those things well, you make your team a lot more successful. Yeah, and, and Blake Griffin, you know, you, you brought, we talked about him, and he's really the focal point of this team. Averaging almost 26 points a game this year, so Blake has really stepped up the scoring. Uh, had a triple-double against Indiana in that big win, 20 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. So developing even more of a passing game than what he had as his assist total, uh, based on his career stats, is up a full assist. So Griffin not only passing but playing and scoring better than he had his whole career. How's Blake adapted to life in Detroit? Well, now the, the bigger thing is that he's, he's assumed the leadership mantle. Uh, Drummond is the, the longest tenure Piston, but Blake Griffin now is the face of the franchise and the leader and the, the guy that people listen to in the locker room. Uh, and, and he's had a, a few instances this year. I mean, the, the one that went national was when he was doing a post-game interview, Reggie Jackson kind of stepped between and um, made a little joke in between there, and that didn't rub uh, Blake Griffin the right way. But it is really – a team that that's underachieved that hasn't made the playoffs that hasn't done anything notable in the past decade now has a superstar level leader in Blake Griffin that they can give the ball to every time down the court. And he plays a, a bit of point guard for them, uh, distributes the ball, facilitates, and now his three-point percentage is starting to climb up a little bit more. He's just a tough guy to guard. And, and people talk about the uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo's and, and some of the um, Kevin Durant and those maybe 6'10", 7-foot guys, high-dimensional. Blake Griffin's got to be mentioned in that same conversation with them because of the things he can do. He can just out-muscle you when you get in the post at 6'10". Uh, but now he's adding that perimeter game to it and, and handling the ball and those 10 assists that um, you're going to have to find a special kind of talent to be able to guard him uh, on a game-to-game basis. And certainly when you get to a playoff series, that's what the Pistons have not had in uh, in years, is a guy like that that can lead them to that playoff series but then also produce for them. So it'll be interesting to see if they stay in this position, um, what the playoff series might have for them, depending on who they would play, would be really interesting to watch and see. Yeah, and the Pistons are fun to watch in the playoffs. Actually, uh, I've only been to one NBA playoff game in my entire life, and it was uh, Detroit Pistons at Cleveland Cavaliers the year the Cavs won the title, their only title in the first round. I think it was at game two. So, And it was fun to yeah. watch, watch Drummond, watch Jackson, 
the Pistons are a fun team. I think they're one of those underrated teams that a lot of people aren't talking about. Um, you know, and one thing they need to focus on is is winning on the road. That seems to have been a big issue for them this year. Eleven and seventeen on the road versus eighteen and thirteen at home. Uh, and obviously, they're going right now sitting at the seven seed. If they were, if the playoffs started today, they would have to play Toronto, which um, not a task task that I would envy. Uh, but they're only a game and a half back of Brooklyn, who's sitting at the sixth seed. And Detroit, you know, they've got players to get the job done, but do you think maybe they're lacking some wing depth or maybe another player to step up and assume the role? Because, you know, you have your three guys. You have Drummond, Jackson, Griffin. Is there maybe another player that would need to step up? Like you mentioned Ish Smith but with his injury. Who's the next guy that you think should step up and really take over that next spot for the Pistons? Well, for the for the past few games, it's been Luke Kennard. Uh, had 17 and 19 in his previous two games. Uh, and, and that's another guy off the bench. The Pistons are going to be successful when they're getting consistency from for both that bench group and the starting group. And they traded away two of their best wing players in Stanley Johnson and Reggie Bullock at the trade deadline, but they signed Wayne Ellington as a free agent. Ellington just jumped right into that starting uh, group, but he's got to be a solid shooter. He helps to space things out for him. Um, but they're, they're going to need something else uh, with that. They, they just don't have the experience, the size. Um, if they would play Toronto in a first-round series, who's going to guard Kawhi Leonard? That's the big question here. Are you going to have Wayne Ellington doing that? Who comes off the bench to do it? Before, that would have been Stanley Johnson or Bullock. You had a couple of options. Now they just don't have that six foot seven, six foot eight guy that's going to be tough in the post and is going to be a menacing defender. Their best defender now is Bruce Brown, who's a rookie, but he's uh, probably 6'4", six, 6'5", six, maybe. Um, so they, that's going to be a problem for them when they get into the, the grind and the way that a playoff series is officiated, that they just don't have that guy. And, and Kawhi Leonard isn't a normal guy that you're going to have to uh, – you can just put anybody on. You need a specialist. You need a guy who's going to shut somebody down. And, again, they've only played the Raptors one time this year. They won that game, obviously, that in Dwayne Casey's return to Toronto. Uh, but for a playoff series, you're looking at something completely different. That's where I think the biggest issue is going to be for them is on the wings. Can they find another scorer uh, who's going to help them there? And then who's going to be their defensive stopper? And you brought up the Bullock and Johnson trade. What what made the Pistons make the moves that they made there? Why do you think they moved both Bullock and Johnson instead of maybe keeping one of them? Well, Bullock was an expiring contract. He's on for $2.5 million this season. And judging by the market, he could probably get 9 or $10 million. They're over the cap. They were right at the luxury tax line, a little bit below the luxury tax line. So they just didn't have any flexibility to do anything else. So they needed to kind of clear some space. In the Stanley Johnson trade, they were um, he was going to he's a, a restricted free agent. He would have been due a qualifying offer of about four or five million, and they just didn't see a future there for him. So they traded him to uh, and got Don Maker in. So you get in the Bullock trade, you get Svi Mihailuka, a young rookie, second round pick that the Lakers were fairly high on. And you get another second-round pick in 2021. And in the Stanley Johnson trade, again, Maker is a guy who defensively is helping them right now. He had a big corner three that was a go-ahead and eventual game winner against the Hawks. So they just wanted younger guys under controllable contracts 
Um, so they kicked the can down the road a little bit and gave them some gave themselves some cap flexibility with bringing in those two guys, and then got another draft pick out of it with two expiring contracts and guys that you weren't going to bring back. Any assets that you can glean from that is a plus for them. Yeah, okay. Well, that makes more sense. You know, I haven't really looked at the Pistons contract uh, layout, so that makes perfect sense, and I'm glad you were able to bring some light to that because I saw those trades, and I'm like, what is Detroit doing? Are they just blowing it up? And then they go on this tear, go 8-2 and two in their last 10. So, you know, Detroit, um, it almost felt like they were giving up at one point, but now they're back showing some life. And um, I'm assuming Reggie Jackson's had a lot to do with that. Him healthy this season's really been big for Detroit. Talk about Reggie Jackson's um, – efficiency with this Detroit Pistons team and how he his role is defined against the Pistons with the Pistons excuse me well I, I think in the past 10 games if, if I remember it's somewhere around 50 percent he's shooting from three and that was the design going in is that um, they wanted to get the ball out of his hands because they didn't feel that he was efficient enough in his ball handling and his pick and roll stuff and again coming off the injury when you don't have that burst when you can't create separation and make that defender respect you in a pick and roll, then it's just two guys in a small space. Now he's been uh, taken off that ball and and been made more of a spot-up three-point shooter in Dwayne Casey's offense, and he's really started to flourish in probably the last 20 games or so in that role. And now he's feeling healthier, getting a little bit more bouncier. So now the pick and roll burst is there, and he's creating that separation and making that big man have to make that decision in, in, in a, a flash. And with Andre Drummond, one of the best big role men in the league, now it's that potent combination that the Pistons saw in 2016 when they made the playoffs and they lost to Cleveland in that first-round series. And there was a lot of optimism around that, that Reggie Jack guy who really lifted this team and put it on his shoulders – you don't have to do that as much anymore. That can be a secondary thing with Blake Griffin now in the fold. So given what Griffin has done, given what Reggie Jackson can do as a spot-up shooter, and now you add in a little bit of pick and roll, you have significant variety in your offense, and that's what's going to make them dangerous down the stretch here is that they're not just one thing. It's not give it to Blake Griffin and clear out or you're just relying on jump shooters. You have a couple of different actions you can run. You have a couple of different guys you can depend on. If the bench is going to be solid for you, well, now that's what a lot of other teams around the league are doing, uh, and the Pistons can join into that too. You mentioned Dwayne Casey returning home to Toronto. How has Dwayne Casey handled this Pistons team this season, coming off the coach of the year last year, and then losing his job in Toronto, but Detroit snatches him up makes him the head coach of the Pistons team. There was a lot of optimism coming in. Has he maybe lived up to it, fell short? What's your thoughts on Dwayne Casey as the head coach of the Pistons? Well, I think he's just trying to establish culture in his first season and look at what he's – the salary cap. You can't trade a lot of guys. You can't cut guys. You've got to figure out ways to do this on the fly and make the changes that you need and install your offense and get your defensive principles and everything very quickly. He's been able to do that, but now you can see the fruits of the Pistons were um, the most open shots in the league at one point this season and just not making them those three pointers. And he's trying to get just open looks, open opportunities from three. And when those shots are falling, it's frustrating. And, and I think they had the worst three point percentage, but getting the most open shots. And that's just, um, it's a make or miss league. And that's the old cliche in the NBA. It's a make or miss league. And if shots are going to fall, they're going to fall. You look good when they do, but when they don't, you just look like a really bad team. And for most of the first half of the season, that's what the Pistons look like a really bad team that just couldn't make any shots. Now that some of those shots are starting to fall, they, they get on this streak and this role that they're on. So again, it's going to be some attrition. It's going to be some up and down that you see with, um, 
teams and their offenses. But I think there's some um, acclamation that's going on now with Reggie Jackson that he has good feel for how this offense is run and what his role in this offense is, and that's why you're seeing a lot of success here. Last question, Rod, and then I'll let you go. And I do appreciate you giving me so much of your time here and talking some Pistons with us. Based on the Detroit team that you've seen all season, like I said earlier, right now if the playoffs started today, they would be playing Toronto. If you had to pick out of those top four or five, you know, Milwaukee, Toronto, Indiana, Philly, Boston, who do you think the Pistons would have the best chance at pulling off a big upset over in the first round of the playoffs, if if they have a shot against any of them, who do you think that they could beat? I'll give you two. I'll, I'll start with um, Indiana that they just played the other day, uh, and they were able to pull that game out. I think they, without Oladip, they don't have a transform player there. Um, Demonis Sabonis also went down with a uh, ankle injury, so um, I think that would be a good matchup on paper for them. The other one I'll point to is Toronto, and because they played so well against the Raptors in that one game, and we'll see in these other two matchups this season what that looks like, but I think they play with that emotion and with that idea that uh, they're being disrespected or they're being counted out. And, of course, that being Dwayne Casey's former team, he has a, a good feel for those players, what their tendencies are and the things that you want to take away. The only thing that's really different there is Kawhi Leonard, but uh, the other guys, I think he can figure out a way that the bench can be a little bit more successful, and that's going to be their key. If the, if the Pistons bench can outplay another team's bench in a playoff series, they stand a much, much better chance because you like the way that their, their starting group matches up with Drummond, Griffin, Jackson. If all of those things sort of come together, they would have a good chance against, I think, either one of those. We've seen enough against the Sixers and against the um, – Bucks that the Pistons just don't match up well. Embiid against Drummond has gone uh, one way and been very one-sided for the past couple of years. And then Giannis, again, there's nobody who can really guard him in the league almost, but Blake Griffin is not a good matchup there, and they just have to scheme that to even have a shot of being able to stay in a series with the Bucks. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I haven't seen anybody in the league that can really guard Embiid or Giannis, so don't feel bad Detroit. Yeah, absolutely. It ain't just you. Absolutely. It's not just you trying to figure that out, but I'm interested to see the matchup between Detroit and Toronto again when they play again. I'm interested to see how Drummond plays against the newly acquired Gasol. I want to see that matchup and see how he plays against Mark Gasol on this new new look Raptors squad as they traded Jonas Valanciunas. Um, I want to see how that matchup looks. So I'm interested to see that take as well. But, uh, Rod, I do appreciate you jumping on with us, talking to us a little bit about the Detroit Pistons and uh, keeping us informed on a team that a lot of – honestly, a lot of people don't hear a lot about. And they're actually a very interesting team. And they're a streaking team right now that nobody's talking about. So uh, thank you again for jumping on with us. I want you to let our listeners know where they can find you at. Well, on Twitter at it's DET News Rod Beard, Det News Rod Beard, and then also uh, for the Detroit News, it's DetroitNews.com and the Pistons section there. All of the content is there. But again, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity just to to talk some Pistons and some basketball in general. Oh, anytime. Hope to have you back real soon, and we'll talk more Pistons. Thanks again, Rod. Okay, absolutely. Appreciate it. And that was my conversation with Rod Beard. 
from the Detroit News talking about the Detroit Pistons. And I had a couple interesting uh, points to make there about talking about how he thinks they could match up with the Raptors, you know, being Dwayne Casey's old team. Uh, it would be interesting. What do you think there, Tim? Yeah, no, no argument there. He made some pretty valid points. Um, like I said, we'll have to see how they how they do in the next two games against them to find out a little yeah. more about that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, we're winding down the season here. We're in we're this is the last show of February, um, so you know March, right around the corner. The regular season. What is it? About twenty games left, basically. Roughly. Um, let me see what uh, when the NBA regular season ends. Um, Eighty-two huh. games. Most teams have played, you know, right around sixty. Yeah, so. I think April tenth will be the last game of the regular season, which is kind of early. Uh, they did start the season a couple weeks earlier, so seems like we're just barely, we're about a month away from the end of the regular season. Um, go ahead. Yeah, and it's been uh, it's been a fun it's been a fun season so far. There's still a lot of playoff races left. There's if you look at the standings, there's a lot of teams that are scratching and clawing, trying to get into the playoffs. Let's go ahead and look at that real quick before we get into our final segment of the show. If you look at the standings right now in the East, we'll go ahead and start at the sixth seed. The Brooklyn Nets are 15 games out of first. The Detroit Pistons are a game and a half back of Brooklyn in the seventh seed. And right now, winding out the eighth seed to get into the playoffs would be the Charlotte Hornets. They are... Uh, two games back of Detroit. Now, going out, a half game back of the Hornets is the Orlando Magic. Then, in 10th place in the East, they are a half game back of the Magic, is the Miami Heat. And then after that, I think you can pretty much kind of count the rest of them out. Maybe Washington can make a run. Maybe, maybe but they're yeah. kind of far oh, out. Maybe. They're they're 12 games maybe. under 500. They're 12 games yeah. under 500, so they don't have a much of a chance. Yeah. Out west. The only two teams that have been playing that have been Detroit and Orlando. Everybody else is, uh, you know. Well, Orlando, Orlando's had a couple slip-ups here since the end of the All-Star break. They're 7-3 seven, they're seven in their last 10. Detroit's 8-2. and two. Yeah. Then everybody else is 3-7, yeah. and 2-8. and eight. You know, nobody's like a Heat. They're not exactly doing anything to make up any ground there. Let's put it that way. It's right now. Very true. I mean, it couldn't go on around, but, but anyway. Well, let's look out west here. In the west, um, one through five, uh, they're they're pretty well set almost where they are. I mean, yeah, that you could there could be some changes, but um, two games back from five to six, and sitting at six is the Utah Jazz. All right, so the Jazz is the sixth seed, and oh, then at seven. Say that again. I said all because of sexy coaching. <laughs> Quinn Snyder, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Rachel, that was for you. <laughs> Indeed. We'll then have to get our Utah it, correspondent back on because he damn yeah, near we'll called that. that he damn near called that perfectly when we had him on. But they were uh, on the outside looking in. And look where they ended up. Yeah, they went on quite a roll. They've been playing good basketball. They're at the sixth seed right now. Then a half game back of them is the Los Angeles Clippers, who are in the seventh seed. They are 
a uh, half game back of Utah, then a game and a ha- a game back of the Clippers is the San Antonio Spurs, who at the beginning of the year I didn't think they had a chance at getting in the playoffs. They lose their starting point guard, injuries galore this season. Tony Parker leaves, Ginobili retires, Kawhi left. They get DeRozan, but I didn't think they had a shot once they lost the point guard. But there they are, sitting in playoff position. Uh, they are a game back at the Clippers in eight. Ninth seed. The ninth seed right now is the Sacramento Kings. They are a game back of the Spurs and shockingly in the playoff race. Did not see that coming either. I will admit to being wrong on that. Don't think, Didn't think they'd make it this far, but yet they have. Young players playing well. Then two games back of the Sacramento Kings is my Minnesota Timberwolves right now in the 10th spot as they are playing in Atlanta tonight, and it's a little closer than I would want, but the Wolves lead by four at the moment. In the 11th spot is the Los Angeles Lakers. So they, too, are two games back of Sacramento, three games out of eighth place in the West. Uh, After that, I mean, there's still a couple teams that are kind of close. Yeah, you got six games out, New Orleans and Dallas, uh, Memphis and Phoenix, probably no chance. But uh, really, really, uh, six through eleven could shift really at any moment because the eleventh seed in the West is only, if I do my math correctly, uh, four and a half out, four and a half out of six. So that could change. The, the Lakers have got a, a really tough um, hole. They got yeah. Uh, believe, Lakers have tough schedule. Yeah, I believe they got. I think it was they said fourteen against teams with winning records. So they're really going to have to, uh, for them to get there, they're not going to get there because they kind of scramble their way and they're going to have to play some pretty good basketball to uh, to get there. Yeah, they, and they are. And again, again, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a homer. I'm going to look at my Wolves uh, schedule because that's, you know, they're my team, so. Right now they lead the Hawks. They've got the Pacers tomorrow night on a back-to-back. The Wizards, the Thunder, the Pistons, the Wizards. Knicks, Nuggets, Jazz, Rockets. Warriors, Hornets, Grizzlies, Clippers, Warriors. They got the Warriors twice. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Figures. They really really Uh, ended up tough. They got three. Their last three are not going to be. Well, actually, that might not be true. That might actually turn the other way because if some of those teams are uh, like Toronto, for instance, if they're set in their spot by that time, they may hold out their better players, and uh, that might be a much easier win than it would normally be. Well, I'll say this: the Wolves get the Warriors once a year, every year. It seems it's always close, so they may get them once this year. They did last year. They did the year the Warriors won 70, so who knows. But what is it? I was just looking at the schedule. I was trying to find – okay. I was trying to figure out why they had two against them both uh, both at home, but I guess they've already played them twice away. So. Yeah, I mean, that's just it's part of the schedule. It's just I how it goes. Yeah I, but, yeah, I wasn't sure if the schedule was unbalanced or not was what I was getting at. Ah, I wasn't okay. sure if that was luck of the draw or – if it was uh, something else, but yeah, no, they don't. I mean, they've got a. They don't have a, a great schedule, but there's some winnable games in there. 
they're going to have to win a couple against better teams. And to be honest, they should win those games that they're going to get in the playoffs anyway. So yeah, yeah. If you want to make the playoffs, it's the time of year you got to earn it. So we'll see. We'll see what happens here. But let's go ahead, Tim, as we got about ten minutes left in the show. Let's go ahead and get to one of our favorite segments here that uh, has been getting a lot of response that people seem to really enjoy it. Would you give me a year and give me a number, sir? Anywhere between 1985 and any up to to now. I will give you the millennial year of 2000. Okay. And I will give you, uh, let's hear it, let's roll the dice. Uh, I will give you the number four. The number four pick in the 2000 NBA draft. Well, let's go ahead and take a look here as we get. All right. Number four. Man, what a pick. Marcus Pfizer. And I know what you're thinking out there. Marcus Big Pharma Pfizer? (laughs) I don't think that's him, but we're going to dive into Marcus Pfizer, ladies and gentlemen. From the year 2000, he came out of Iowa State. I did not know much about Marcus Pfizer. You know what? This is learning for me, too, because I don't know much about Marcus Pfizer either. Let's see the kind of career Marcus Pfizer had. He played from 2000 up to 2006. He was drafted number four overall by the Orlando Magic was the team, but I believe he was traded almost immediately. Uh, let's look here at the, at the draft picks here. Let's see who they passed on that they could have taken. And uh, you're probably not going to recognize a lot of these names. The number one pick in the draft that year out of Cincinnati, Kenyon Martin. Stromile Swift came out that year, Darius Miles. And then Marcus Pfizer was drafted. Excuse me, he was drafted by the Bulls. He was not traded. Forgive me. Pfizer was drafted by the Bulls. After him, Mike Miller, let's see, maybe some people might recognize some of these names. Chris Mim, Jamal Crawford was taken in this draft, who is still playing today, 19 years later. Joel Prisbilla, Keon Dooling. Uh, there's, there's a lot of missing. Hito Turgaloo, Desmond Mason, Quentin Richardson, Speedy Claxton. Uh, man, Deshaun Stevenson was on those bad teams. Mark Madsen was drafted by the Lakers. Man, this was a uh, – Eddie House. Eddie House had a pretty solid career. Man, this, this, is this a was draft, a weak draft. Though. Michael Red. Michael Red. A lot, of, a lot of hype. I remember um, particularly uh, – where did he go there? Morris Peterson from Michigan State because he was picked by Toronto. Um, and the hype, the you know, Mo Pete, and he didn't really turn out to be all yeah, Mo Pete, you know, steady, Mo but, Pete. Nothing but, but nothing more than that. Yeah, Morris Peterson, that's Mo Pete. Yeah, a lot of hype there. Um, <laughs> man, there really was not a lot of great draft picks here. Uh, Michael Red was a good one in the second round. Brian Cardinal won a ring with the Mavericks. Uh, yeah, would you? In those Jamal Crawford five, might have been the best player to come out of this draft. Yeah, in those first four picks, I would have to count all of them to be misses. Kenyon Martin would have been a dominant player had he been healthy. Darius Miles no, was a disappointment. Well, I'm just saying, for the, for the being the one, two, three, and four, those yeah. were all misses. 
And Mike Miller had a half had a half. Yeah, Mike Miller was a he was a decent player. Uh but let's look at let's look at one Marcus Pfizer. Marcus Pfizer, that's right. Small forward, power forward, two hundred and sixty two pounds, drafted out of Iowa State University. The the Bulls took him. The Bulls just whiffed on draft picks in the early 2000s like crazy. Let's see. He was 22 years old in his first year in the NBA. He played in 72 games. He logged in an average of 21 minutes per game. He averaged 9.5 points for the game in his rookie season, along with 4.3 rebounds and assists. Uh, not the best three-point shooter in the world, as he only shot 25%, and uh, that's a career-high uh, uh, three-point percent. Well, I take that back. He did. He actually did make every three-pointer he took in <laughs> – he made every three he took in his last well, season. So we'll leave it gotta, at that. you got to say something for a guy. It looks like he, he, his career was kind of um, – Sidelined a little bit because he he had to an ACL. And yeah, can, yeah. He's the only play he played seventy six games. The, go ahead. What what popped out at me was when, when you're talking about somebody's basketball career, and you, you said they won a gold medal for the United States, and you yeah. automatically you automatically think dream team, right? His was his like yeah. goodwill games. <laughs> wow, <laughs> his, his was in that cheap Ted Turner knockoff. Version of the oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, twelve so, point twelve point three points per game in the year two thousand one two thousand two season. Uh, his rebounding totals never got over five uh, over five point seven. That was what he got in two thousand and two. He averaged eleven point seven per game. Then just after that, the ACL tear uh, that year. He never did play more than fifty four games the rest of his career. Left Chicago, went to Milwaukee, and only averaged 6.2 points there. And then his last season, he played for uh, – Lord, I don't recognize that team at all. Oh, that was the when they were in Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma City Hornets, the, or the New Orleans Hornets, that one season, um, where he averaged 6.7 points per game. Career stat line reads 9.6 points per game with 0.3 blocks, 0.5 steals, 1.2 assists, 4.6 total rebounds, 69% from the free throw line, and a 43%, I will call it 44, field goal percentage, only shot 19% for his career from three. Uh, just, you know, a lot of missed opportunity, a lot of missed potential here in Pfizer. I mean, and again, come on. You, but let's, you're not giving him enough credit. Let's look at the second half of his career. Yeah, okay. Polaris, you know, Polaris World, Maccabi Tel Aviv, powerhouse in Israeli mm-hmm. basketball. Uh-huh. Guaynabo Mets of the Puerto Rican League. The Taiwanese Mobile Clouded Leopards. I mean, well, we're, not, we're not talking about some kind of Bush League teams here. No, no. I mean, that, one, those are one. solid professional teams. I can't deny that. <laughs> he played one game with the Taiwanese Mobile Clouded Leopards. Had 23 points and yet somehow was kicked off the team after one game. Well, Marcus, my, my, Marcus must have had a bit of a. I don't know. It doesn't really say, but uh, yeah, he's a, a youth minister, so I can't say it would be you know from the usual 
signs, you know, uh, you know, they had a drug problem or an alcohol problem or maybe even just an attitude problem. I don't know. He looked like he had a pretty good. Uh, he looked like he had a pretty good college career. I mean, he was uh, first team All Big Twelve, Player of the Year, consensus All American, and boy, made the uh, made it to the Elite Eight in the tournament. Maybe uh, I, I don't know. Maybe too big, eh? Too maybe. That's a big guy. That's a big guy. That's a load on ACL. Yeah, yeah, and that might have been what 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 done it for him. But uh, I bet you he still did pretty. I wonder how much money he ended up. We got a. That's always where it ends up with me. I wonder how much money he ended up making for having a career that really didn't. You know, on paper, it doesn't really look like a whole lot. Um, let's see here. See if I can dig that up. Marcus Pfizer, if you're out there, we're interested in talking to you about your career. We'd love to. Well, it's another interesting one where you know there's you know a lot what? of there's a lot of holes in the in the story you know that need to be filled up with what happened. Yeah, I, 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 the guy was garbage and he didn't pan out, but I I don't think that's rarely what the answer is. Yeah, there's more to it. There has to be, and uh, that's that's something that, well, that I would like to dive into. I mean, Marcus Pfizer, according to Hoops Hype, made $17 million in his five seasons in the NBA. Hey, so, not bad, if he invested yeah. right. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason uh, why I he should take a second. I do want to take a second before we wrap up, because we're, we're getting close to that time. Uh, Eddie, Eddie Johnson, former NBA player, now turned yeah. analyst for the Phoenix Suns, and... Uh, oh. Host on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. He kind of took a shot at the wide men guys here uh, because of a comment I made on his post about LeBron James. Um, we'll just leave it at that. It was it was nothing personal, but he made it clear that he said the only reason we have a podcast is because of LeBron James, and that we shouldn't watch ESPN if we don't want to hear about the greatness of LeBron James. Well, I don't watch ESPN. Well, I just threw in. Don't, so we're okay there. Got that covered. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, I do want to issue an open forum for Mr. Johnson if you'd like to come on and talk to us about, you know, LeBron James and why you think we should have a podcast and what you think uh, and why I would be open to a debate. Again, this was nothing major, but he did come no, up. Anytime you tell whole, me to shush on Twitter, yeah, I'm not you know, ten. You're not. We're yeah, not little kids. Little, no, no. Like no. So he's welcome to come uh, on and debate, but until then, if you uh, read, that was kind of. If you read the whole thread, though, Nate, he, he's he's very angry about whatever's going on there. He was he was basically telling everybody who tried to who weren't even slamming LeBron really. They were just trying to make the point that you know, hey, he he. Uh, he isn't retiring, so exactly. You know the other guys. You know they're getting the hoopla. I'm sure LeBron's going to get his and then some when he decides to. Yeah, hang I mean up. the the post was basically just, saying, "Why well, aren't we celebrating LeBron like we celebrate Dwayne Wade and Dirk Nowitzki?" I'm like, "Well, it's not LeBron's not retiring. It's not the same so. thing. That's why he couldn't exactly he couldn't wrap his head around that concept for some reason, and he just went to, "Well, you're LeBron haters." Well, okay, no, I, I don't hate I'm, LeBron. I will admit I'm not his biggest basketball fan, but I don't know LeBron James, so I can't say I like him or hate him. 
because I don't know exactly. him on a personal level, so and don't care. Well, that's how. So again, that's that's how I looked at it. Uh, but again, he's welcome to come on and talk to us about it. Then we, hey, we're always open to getting him on there publicly. So if he'd like to come on and voice his opinion, he's more than welcome. In my opinion, it was it was yeah. high school level journalism. And B, we both know for a well-known fact, the reason that we have a podcast is because of Tom Robinson and Markel Fultz. has absolutely <laughs> nothing to do with... Well, the, the, the reason this got started is because Tom hated that pick and wanted a forum to talk about it. That's what started this podcast. Nothing to do with what? LeBron James and him bringing basketball to the masses and all that. You guys were already both huge basketball fans long before LeBron James came along. Well, Tom, Very true. There. Maybe, you're not, maybe you're not quite because you're not old enough, but, but Tom, definitely. So, Black, uh, Eddie Robinson should, uh, I don't know, just be quiet. Shush. <laughs> well, we want to thank everybody for tuning in and talking and listening to our conversations tonight. You can follow us on Twitter at Wide Jump, and you can see Eddie Johnson talk crap about us, so that's okay. Um, you can also, it's his prerogative. You can also join us live here on the show. You can listen in at iTunes, Podcast, Static, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio. And uh, I'm currently working on getting us back on Podbean. There was an issue there. I'm going to get that straightened out as soon as I can. Um, And we'll try to be back on there. We're on iHeartRadio. And we're also on uh, WideMenCanJump.com. You can listen to our show there. we got new T-shirts available on WideMenCanJump.com, size of small to 3X. That's right, and on Twitter, Bobby Blaze is rocking one, so go check it out and show some love. Buy a t-shirt, and we'll get it shipped out to you in no time. They are $20 plus shipping and handling. ends up being about $23 to get a shirt to you, one of our first-run t-shirts. And there's print on the front and back, and uh, it's a nice shirt, very comfortable. Uh, and we'll be we'll get that to you as soon as we can. So thanks for listening. Thanks to our guests, Shane Young and Rod Beard. Tim, thank you for being here as well, as always. And thanks to our sponsors at New Law Office and Cambay.com. Tim, you got anything else you want to add? Wide Men Can't Score Friday. Live. Yep, don't miss PM. That'd be Well, that'll be 6 o'clock for you Eastern fellas, but 4 p.m. Mountain. 4 p.m. Mountain. And uh, we've got... And I've got a tied ball game heading into overtime to get to with the Wolves and the Hawks, so I'm going to go check that out. Tim, send us home this week, my friend. Oh, I just would like peace among the Commonwealth. Peace. I ain't even got to say it. That's just something they know. Thanks for listening to the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com and at widemencanjump.com. Be sure to check out our blogs over at WideMenCan'tJump.com and also be sure to check out all the other shows that we put out. You can find us on iTunes, Podcast Static, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Also at WideMenCan'tJump.com. Visit our store and buy some new t-shirts that are available now in all sizes. This show is brought to you by the Law Offices of Stephen P. New at NewLawOffice.com and by Cambay.com. Be sure to visit Cambay.com and use promo code WIDEMAN to get 20 free credits on your purchase. Thanks for listening again, and we'll see you next time for the next episode on the Wide Man Radio Network.